Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts. Y'all know what time it is? It's time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast here with you live on a Wednesday night, October the 18th, 2017. I'm Dre, he's Jay. Whew, what a week six in the NFL. Lots of news, lots of events, lots of bad news for a couple of different teams with injury situations. One very, very close to Jason Tart there in his home state. We will obviously get to that. We'll try to figure out how the last undefeated team, the Kansas City Chiefs, became defeated at the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Get to all of that coming up on this show. I need to start off with this. Uh, right off the bat with our terrible records, I was 6-8 and eight for this week in week six. Jason was 5-9. and nine. And I want to bring that up just because I need to, I have this massive ego, which is also very sensitive. So I need to break this down in a way that makes me feel better about things. Had a crappy night bowling tonight. I can't believe how inconsistent I am, even with the new bowling ball that I bought. I'm feeling sensitive right now. I'm feeling like I need some reinforcement. So I'm breaking it down this way. Jason's talked about how crazy the season has seemed, how upside down it seemed, unpredictable. I remember what I said on the preview show, on the season preview show. I don't remember too many other people saying this. I said this league was wide fucking open this year. There's a lot of people. Obviously, NBC had something invested in saying that the Patriots were going to go 19-0 and and dominate on Thursday night before the season began, and the, the Chiefs took care of that real quick. But I don't think a lot of other people were – saying that the league was so wide open this year that I think most people had this favorite, that favorite. I didn't think any of the favorites were any kind of lock. Uh, Of course, I'm the one picking the Texas to go to the Super Bowl. So obviously I'm thinking way outside the box as far as as that goes. But I'm the one that said this league was completely wide open. That's exactly the way it looks. Jason, does it not look completely wide open to you? Anybody, just about anybody can win the Super Bowl this year. Anybody can make the playoffs this year. This league is just, it's it's crazy right now. It's completely upside down. I think it's more stunning as it's taking you this long to figure it out. This whole thing's been this way all year long. Anybody can beat anybody. Well, unless you're unless you're Cleveland, I guess anybody can beat anybody. Or San Francisco. We're just yeah, or San Francisco. Although San Francisco, you know what? They're trying. I'm going to give them. I'll give them uh, some points for effort. But you know, they're they're at least in games. So yeah, they're they haven't gotten a win yet, but they haven't uh, the last four or five four games. I want to say that they've been they've been hanging around. They they they've, they've competed. So oh, they haven't completely just given up yet. It's, it's not just hanging around. It's close. First team in NFL history on the 49ers to lose five games in a row by three points or less. It's incredible. That's hard to do. That I is mean, hard to that do. That is really hard to do. 
means that they are not able to quite seal the deal. They did, not good finishers, I would I would guess uh, would be the way to say it on that team. You can check the competitive box, but not the know how to win box. Not yet. No, it, it, that's not an overly talented squad either. Either way, and I mean, we don't want to. We, we're not here to talk about the uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. That's that's a couple shows from now. That's when we get into uh, Halloween time. That, that we'll, we'll, well, they'll get their due. Those teams will get talked about. But this, this no the whole thing this year has been. It, it's just seriously, it's bizarro league football right now. If each week we go in, it's almost impossible to look at it every you know you make your picks and you just don't feel good about them at all i haven't felt good about hardly any picks this year even the or picks look, you know like or you pull what that? i pulled last week and say how great i felt about my picks and it didn't matter anyway because they went to shit yeah, no no I, I i sit there i look through i do what i, I do what i always do I go up and down and i make them and it's like you know i could just as easily just flip these all the other way <laughs> and, and if I would do that, I'd, I'd actually be in really good shape. It just shows you how crazy the season's been. And, in, you know, even after your crazy start uh, for how good you were doing, I know your, your your record still is really good, but even the last couple of weeks have to have you scratching your head too. Oh, I feel terrible about the last few weeks. I just, just a step ladder way right down the line. My record has just gone from in the 700s down to the 600s, down to uh, might be under. Yeah, I'm under 600 now. Now I'm in the 500s. So it's just steadily going down. I was up there in the, in the clouds. My head was all big and I was feeling really good and just steadily rang, rang, rang right on down. So not a good feeling at all. No, and it, it finds a way to even itself out, I mean, and it's been yeah your your whole uh, your whole parlay last week with the with the teams coming off of the buys yeah that that didn't go so well, um, you know so I, I did some damage against you on those games lost a, you know again lost some lost some close ones so you know you get, you get me back on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I deserve all of this for, for that yeah, terrible. You get me back. Yeah, you got me back on some of the the close ones, which you always do. Uh, at least over the last two plus seasons, seems like if there's anything that's going to be decided by just a few points, you win that pick. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it all evens Not out. Hate. I'm just waiting. Taking all the wins, I'm I can... for, I, I'm just waiting for that to start evening out because it's going to even out, and it usually evens out in a big way. Man, those those four by teams. I thought they just had it lined up perfectly, and the Falcons completely shit the bed. Take a big lead and find a way to lose to the fucking Dolphins. The, of course, the uh, who else came off a by? The uh, the Redskins didn't cover against the Niners because the Niners compete against everybody apparently. And then the oh, Giants. Uh, oh yeah, the Giants on Sunday night decide to yep. just we're gonna raise up and. and play like professionals and this was their Super Bowl. I said the Jets were playing like it was gonna be their Super Bowl against the Patriots, which they did. But the Giants the Giants played even more like it was their Super Bowl. They that was an unbelievable effort they turned in at Denver. In all phases of the game they were excellent and and 
the Broncos, I don't know what that was. They came off about, sometimes I guess you come off a bye and you're not quite ready to go. Maybe you, you took a, you relaxed a little too much on your bye weekend. You don't come back quite ready to play. Maybe that happened to the Falcons as well. You know, the Falcons came out looking hot. You know, and they got out to that 17 nothing lead. But I think, you know, we've seen from them that they're just, that that offense isn't quite the same as what it was last year. And, you know, even with Vic, you know, I was remember, I remember uh, watching some of the, the proceedings in that game and going, oh, you know, they got Beasley back. I'm like, okay, this is looking good. Yeah, even though I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably lose this pick because of the way that the, uh, the way that the Dolphins are playing and the Falcons are playing, it's it's not going my way. And then they they just shut it down. I don't know if it was the Dolphins' defense or if it was just the, the Falcons just reverted back to playing some really bad offense. They had uh, going into, I believe it was that final drive where all they needed was the field goal and then Matt Ryan throws the pick. I mean, this was the old Matt Ryan. This, you know, this was the pre-MVP Matt Ryan. They, they drive all the way down. And then the soul crushing the soul crushing interceptions come out. They were in field goal range. I didn't understand it at all. Thirty They're yards 17. of offense. Yeah, they had thirty yards of offense going into that final drive for the second half. Thirty yards. They were up seventeen to nothing before that collapse happens. Uh, yeah, there's there's really no explanation for that. Jay Cutler leading a comeback against Atlanta is about as much evidence as you need of how topsy-turvy this season has been. Uh, I'm a little afraid that Atlanta might suck. Maybe that's an overreaction on my part, but they have not impressed. Uh, They've looked like they've had moments where they've looked like they might have some of the last year's Falcons still kind of in there a little bit, but most of for the most part, my impression over the, the season so far is that they're definitely not the same team. Uh, n- neither one of us expected them to be the same team, but you lose a 17 nothing lead to Jay Cutler and the Dolphins without probably his favorite weapon, uh, Devontae Parker. There's really no explanation for that. You cannot do that if you're the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of worried about them over the rest of the season. Yeah, let's not forget that they're two fourth quarter, I mean, basically, end of the game, fourth down stops, basically away from being one and four. Yeah, that's another reason they might suck. They could have easily lost to the Bears. They probably should have lost to the Lions. Uh, yeah. They, they've got some skin of their teeth wins so far this year, and then maybe uh, the, the glass slippers come off, come off of Cinderella. We're seeing the glass slippers come off of everybody. Uh, there is no... <laughs> No one is safe right now. It it doesn't matter. It it just seems like it's going to find teams, even in sure, surefire situations. You know, you, you mentioned the Broncos. There's no way that the Giants, they're dead. The Giants aren't going to go right. on the road to Denver. Come on. That's not going to happen, and then it happens. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone. We all saw that happening. <laughs> you know, we saw right, Adrian Peterson uh... basically coming back from the dead. <laughs> So zombie Adrian Peterson, zombie AP, I guess we can call him now. Uh, we ended up getting a quarter. We ended up getting a quarterbacking war between interception Santa and turnover Bernie Sanders in the same game. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it, 
an interception. Santa uh, eventually gives up the 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 last, or uh, actually he comes out on top, uh, 38-33. Yeah. The the Cardinals beat the 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 Buccaneers. Yeah, I I don't have any idea how that. In between all of those interceptions and and weird plays, they did combine for a lot of yardage, over 600 yards in the air. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a, a a gunslinging fight breaks out between Jameis Winston and Carson Palmer uh, out of nowhere. I, I no, I, I couldn't have predicted that one either. And you have the Saints blowing the doors off of the Detroit Lions to then realize Everything that, wait, happened in that game. <laughs> we're, we're one of the worst defenses in history. We better live <laughs> up to our reputation. And then they just let the Lions come storm. It, it, we, there was a point where I thought we wouldn't even win that pick. <laughs> How quick – is there anything that didn't happen in that game? Because I think everything happened. You had dueling defensive tackle pick sixes, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Crazy thir- – was it, was it a 30 30- – point lead that the the Saints had or somewhere around there it was it was in that area before the Lions just decided to start coming back um I was talking in the last show about the New Orleans defense might actually be decent when you let a comeback like that happen against a quarterback that's clearly hobbled and that was another uh to me storyline of the weekend was hobbled quarterbacks trying to gut their way through performances and it didn't work out for for a couple of them, it did work out for one on Monday night, but uh, Matthew Stafford, clearly not Matthew Stafford, clearly jumping and hobbling around and, and not able to really have any mobility, not that he has a lot anyway, and the New Orleans defense still let him make a, a comeback with those receivers that can't get any separation. They found a way to get some separation late in that game somehow, so it looks like, uh, see if you agree with this, the, the Saints defense it's sort of like a, a bad football player who's good for fantasy. I don't know exactly how um, – I don't know who, who would come to mind in that. I guess like a goal line uh, running back, those old fat running backs from back in the day that wouldn't be good for anything. Jerome Bettis at the end of the year maybe, or at the end of his career, I mean, uh, maybe fits that bill where he was getting like three carries for three yards and three touchdowns it seemed. Uh that he wasn't good at football, but he was good for fantasy players because he was getting touchdowns. The Saints defense still, to me, does not strike me as really good, really good defense. But they make plays and they and they get some touchdowns, some pick sixes, some sacks, some fumbles. They 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 like to fly around a lot and make plays on the ball. Uh, they can still get caught easily and have plays run up against them. They still give up a lot of yards because they're not very disciplined. They're still not very defensively sound, but at least they have some playmakers now on that defense that can go, uh, they can win some games by making some big plays and and trying to hold the other team at bay uh, after they make those big plays on them. Yeah, they're still terrible though. I mean, so you you can have a playmate, you can have a playmaking defense. The reason that they have a playmaking defense is because nobody's afraid of them. Right. So those guys are, just, you know, so they give up all the big ones. Every once in a while, there's enough athleticism there that they get one back. That That's not going to get you very far. Yeah, but it's such an upgrade over them in the last five years, though, where they weren't even making plays. They were just getting gashed. No. No, so, yeah, they, they it, were. It's a step they, in the right direction. 
Yeah, I mean, is is there light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they won't be historically bad, but they've been historically bad over a three or four year stretch here to begin with. They're just terrible. Well, it can't. Well, the, you know, it couldn't stay that bad forever. Uh, well, it could <laughs> if you if you're well, over and over. The, the Cleveland Browns are going to stay that bad forever because they're just bad, and there's nothing they can do. Nah, about even even that will turn itself around someday. Someday the Browns will be relevant again. Someday, might be a while. No, that's, Eventually, it'll happen. You, they'll, just, they'll just luck into something someday. That was my take from the Saints game: is that for the purposes of, of playing them uh, against the spread, you might not want to dismiss the defense completely. Uh, they might not be good, but at least they seem to, to be flying around and making plays, and, and they might uh, get a few backdoor covers before the season's over. Yeah, but good luck trying to predict when those are going to be. That's the trick. Ah, uh, but that's the fun. That's 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 why we pick yeah. the games. Yeah, there's there nothing's coming easy this year. All right, the obvious news story of the weekend, your breakdown and your viewpoint of everything surrounding the Aaron Rodgers injury, uh your thoughts about the play itself, the Anthony Barr hit, uh and any thoughts on the prospects with Brett Hundley under center for Green Bay. At first glance, I mean, I know you can slow anything down to make it look insidious. I didn't see a major problem with the hit. It didn't even look that vicious. And in fact, when you look at the way Rodgers went to the ground, it wasn't even in the typical way where you see somebody who's, you know, sort of perpendicular to the ground, getting basically their shoulders compressed into the turf. Um, and, and that's where you would usually see like the shoulder separation or the collarbone break. And Rogers was sort of, almost half laying down under bar on the play after he threw the ball. And, you know, in, in real time when it happened, it didn't look, I I didn't see a penalty. There was no, there was no flag thrown. And keep in mind, no flag was thrown in a NFL where the tendency is to throw the flag every time the wind blows too hard by the quarterback. (laughs) So I think of it as an unfortunate incident, unlucky. Um, it's a a repeat, I believe, of a, of a of an injury. So it could have, you know it could have been there was some susceptibility there to have that happen again. I think but he had broke his I left collarbone before, and this was his. Yeah, so you know, and Aaron Rodgers has proven over the years that he's not the most durable guy. He's not a huge guy. He does get hurt. He, you know, he he is a bit fragile back there, and uh, he does take a lot of hits behind that woeful offensive line. And they finally, they finally got to him. And I don't think anyone is shocked with the amount of hits that he's he's received over the this last, well, I'd say, last couple couple and a half seasons of that of that sort of makeshift offensive line. They, 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 they announced before the game that the Packers were finally going to have their whole offensive line. And the two guys, uh, Bakhtiari <laughs> and Balaga, both decided it, to get hurt again in yeah. the game. Um, Mike McCarthy seemed very afraid of running any offense with Brett Hundley. And uh, he threw a, 
threw a bad pick early, even though it was a deflection. It was a ball he was trying to force into traffic that he probably shouldn't have thrown. He was just locked onto the guy. The defender got the hand in the way, and then another guy was Johnny on the spot right there for the pick. And uh, the the pick he threw at the end of the game, you, you it's hard to fault anybody for to trying to make a play at the end of the game. Uh, they'll win a handful of games, I think, with Brett Hundley. I'm not going to say that he's he's horrible and the Packers don't win another game. But if Rodgers truly is done for the rest of the season, I'd say they might have three wins left in them somewhere here. They're they're definitely not going to go unless they coach Hundley up. And I've seen I've seen him play. I saw him play in a preseason game. Um, couple seasons ago when we declared we're not going to preseason games anymore because they're boring where <laughs> when they finally good so I don't think that they're hopeless but Aaron Rodgers was basically overcoming their defensive deficiencies and I don't think Brett Hundley is going to be able to do that I don't think I think that he can play the position but he's going to basically have to just get into a shootout now with everybody because there, there's no magic anymore at that position where, where Rodgers is just going to will that team to victory like he did against the Cowboys, and he's just going to throw them on his backs. Hunley's, they're going to have to win games with Hunley kind of ugly. Uh, we'll see what we'll see if they keep getting anything from this, this Aaron Jones. I'm the opponent right now. I'm probably stacking up to stop the run and forcing Brett Hundley to beat me against a team with anything more than a league average. I don't think the Packers have much of a chance. Much of a chance. Minnesota certainly stacked the box and uh, made yeah. Brett Hundley try to beat them. So that's probably what they're going to see a lot of. Uh, so Green Bay goes to four and two with this loss. You're saying that if Rodgers does not come back this year, that you see no better than seven and nine for a season record. Yeah, I'd be, if they get to eight, which would be, you know, what, four more, that would be four and six the rest of the way. I think that would be their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm about in that same ballpark. Um, as far as the hit goes, I think I saw it exact same way as you, which is, was not flagged, should not have been flagged, and surprising that it wasn't flagged because we've seen less lesser hits than that get flagged uh, as the as some referees, I guess some crews, err completely on the side of totally protecting a quarterback and trying to make sure that there's nothing that a defender might get away with as far as potentially injuring and taking out a quarterback. And I thought plays like the, another reason why I was surprised it wasn't flags because I thought plays just like this is why they're being so careful so that there's, it doesn't escalate to potentially taking one of the star players in the league and like, and taking them out for the rest of the season. I thought this is what they were protecting against. Again, I agree with you should not have been flagged. It's a football play. It's bad luck. But at the same right. time, I thought this is why they throw those daisy ass pansy ass flags all these years to try to prevent a defender from doing something like this to Aaron Rodgers to prevent somebody from to make somebody come up to Aaron Rodgers the way Anthony Barr did and make them completely pull up and almost like maybe risk injuring themselves trying to pull off from running into Aaron Rodgers and driving his shoulder uh, into the ground but that's not what Anthony Barr did he kept playing he went all the way through 
and the flag was not thrown. I also think it was close enough that if this game were at Lambeau Field, they probably would have thrown a flag on Anthony Barr. I think the, the home crowd and the home atmosphere makes a difference in those types of calls as well. But again, for the record, to be clear, I agree with you. I don't think it was a dirty hit, and I don't think uh, that Barr should have been flagged. Was it a little late? Yeah. Might have been a little late. Yeah, it was close. Let, let, let's say here they do throw the flag. Well, let's say they throw the flag and then they find Anthony Barr. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' collarbone isn't going to unbreak itself at that point and suddenly heal. This is true. So, again, that's great. But 15 yards and a first down, uh, the Packers still lose that game. <laughs> it, you know, the, the the guy's job is to go out and hit the other team's quarterback. I, I you know, and if, even if they threw the flag, he's still he's still uh, going out off on the meat wagon back to the locker room and John at the uh, and John at the Viking players, you know, for for what he thought might have been a cheap shot. And either way, Aaron Rodgers is still you know, not there for the rest of the year, whether or not that was a flag or not. Yeah. I mean, all that would have been was a, you know, 15 yards in the first down for Brett Hundley to do nothing for that game. He didn't do much. Vikings were invigorated at that point. I believe any breakdown of Brett Hundley's performance and trying to extrapolate needs to have the caveat of tough defense in Minnesota in their house. Right. With a backup quarterback, completely not expecting to play when that game began. Completely not expecting. Because right. Aaron Rodgers the Packers, takes the ball. The Packers host the Saints this week. I think we'll get a much better idea of what right. of what Brett Hundley's all about. If he can take advantage of the defense that makes plays but otherwise leaves people wide open, uh, then he should have some success. Uh, that's actually going to be an interesting be... pick when we have to make it this yeah. weekend. And don't be stunned if we see a little bit of both. Don't be shocked if we mm-hmm. see the Packers have some big gains on offense and possibly give something to the Saints as well. Yeah, yeah, that would not be surprising at all. Uh, it was uh, very telling what Mike McCarthy thought of handing the brains, handing the reins to Brett Hundley, because the very first play that Hundley comes in after that play against Aaron Rodgers, that left Green Bay with a third and nine when Hundley came in. And he had Hundley handoff. Yeah. He did That's a lot how of much faith McCarthy had in it. They ran the ball for the first couple series almost exclusively until they finally started trying to to work in some some passes for Hundley. But the, watching the game, what was very frustrating was that you were basically watching McCarthy putting Hundley into obvious passing situations, and you don't want to do that yeah. against the Vikings. The run on first down, run on second down, oh, crap, it's third and eight. Now we got to throw the ball. That wasn't. It was almost like a give up play by them, and they they were never in that game. And you know, never even when Aaron Jones was running the ball, okay, he wasn't great, but he was still he was chugging. No play action, just very. You know, I I don't know if that was just the the coaches got caught completely by surprise, almost as well as Hundley did, right. because they were not prepared. But again, preparation and the Packers is, you know, <laughs> those don't go hand in hand. You know, I was thinking about you and your criticism of McCarthy over the years while I was watching that. I, I, you, you were on my mind. Trust me. You were, I was thinking about you a lot <laughs> watching this. 
Yeah, because um, you could imagine me just sitting there, just <laughs> lambasting Carthy with whatever crowd of people I was happening to watch that game with at the time, because that was basically what I was doing. Yeah, Critiquing him for putting Hunley in to terrible passing situations, not, you know, not working off of the running game at all. And again, no adjustments. The first time he decided to have Hunley throw was on a third and two. And it yeah. was almost, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play the Benny Hill music, but it was almost reminiscent of that Bears sequence uh, where they called timeout and then wind up getting a penalty anyway <laughs> out of the timeout yeah. for delay of game. This was almost as bad where they got a third and two. Hunley has to call timeout, come back mm-hmm. on the field, throws a, throws a tip drill interception. It's like, yeah. uh, why would you call, you call the timeout so you can throw an interception. You could have done that without calling a timeout, dude. Really? Yeah completely um, stared the receiver down didn't yeah. look anywhere else and you know that might work against a lesser defense but yeah not a good spot that you want to come into for your first uh somewhat meaningful nfl action other than like you know maybe a little kneel down territory or something um but but he also had a few bright spots in the game so you know, i i don't think that there is bad off as you know some teams were you know the, the backup comes in and the guy's just completely lost. Uh, but I'm going to reserve my total judgment on Brett Hundley until we get to see, you know, uh, you know, with a week of practice, being the number one, you know, working everything. Lord, see if he learns from some of those mistakes. Uh, let's see how he operates that offense this week. Yeah, my takeaway is you look at the box score, you see the three picks, and you think, oh, this kid is trash, but you have to actually watch these games to make some of these judgments. You're yep. right. He did have some good throws. He had the uh, Devontae Adams touchdown. He had to scramble yep. to make time for himself and find him uh, on on the left side. Uh, he had a good quick slant to Randall Cobb to convert a third down. He had a good out route to Jordy Nelson. Those are all sort of – Mike McCarthy basics or, you know, the, the Mike McCarthy starter kit. Those are some of the throws that are in there. And he was able to execute some of those. I, I don't think he's going to be a, a complete disaster. I don't think that he's going to have anywhere near the success that Aaron Rodgers is. Believe me, I'm not saying that, but I am saying he's, he's viable. He's going to actually be pretty decent uh, in the spot in place of Aaron Rodgers. Not a complete disaster, not Brian Hoyer, not, Jake McCrown, not any of these other losers, not Blake Bortles. Uh, I, I, I like him. I think he uh, showed some. Uh, he showed some moxie in there. No, I'm not going to go John Gruden either. But uh, yeah, <laughs> he showed some. Yeah, and that and that one preseason game that I was at, where he played almost exclusively for the whole game. Uh, it was Scott Tolzien for the first quarter, and then it was Brett Hundley the rest of the way. And uh, he looked good. You know, so I can see why they hung on to him as the backup. I believe they practice squatted this kid the first year and, uh, you know, have had him on the roster as either the third stringer or the second stringer now um, the last couple of years. They, Packers are not a team that, you know, traditionally hangs on to these backups. They hung on to him. You know, so, you know, they were, they, they wasn't one of these guys who was left unprotected or any of that. So I, I, I'm interested, I guess would be the best word to see how this goes for them. I'm interested too. I'm a little scared behind that offensive line. It might be a disaster, That's, but I'm, a, you I'm, said I'm the key word. You said the key word, the key phrase there when you were talking about him having to dance around to create because uh, <laughs> get used to it, kid. You're going to be doing a lot of that. Yeah. 
But Joe Callahan, Joe Callahan better be ready. Get your dancing shoes on. Yeah. Got uh, got 28 minutes left in the live show. If you want to let your opinion be known, we are here. This goes to 11. goes to 11 Central Time. Uh, you can always call in a area code 646-595-4534. You can always leave us a note via email. You'll send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can always leave a tweet. I'm at IMLD Dre on Twitter. Jason is at IMLD JTG. Our picks are always up on the blog. Our blog site is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. You are listening live, of course, on blogtalkradio.com slash inmuchlessdetail. To listen to the show as a podcast, you can sign up on Apple Podcasts or through many, many other different podcasting apps. So that's the Brett Hundley breakdown. There's Again, take it with a grain of salt. He's playing against the Minnesota Vikings in their house, so it's going to be tough. Uh, what is the the Kansas City Chiefs breakdown? How do you go five and zero and then host the the struggling Pittsburgh Steelers in your building and and let Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell kind of run all over you like that? I'm going to say it was mostly Le'Veon Bell, and you know, in the history, I guess we didn't pay much attention to Le'Veon Bell third game in a row for him, I guess, over 150 yards against the Chiefs. He's clearly got their number. Um, you know, and every once in a while you're going to have a team lay an egg, and the Chiefs clearly laid an egg. Maybe they were starting to feel a little overconfident, you know, that maybe, the, maybe the, they needed this as sort of a wake-up call. And uh, the Steelers, again, a, a proud team, you know, been knocked down the last few weeks, bad losses, and uh, they showed up. Uh, now, towards the end of that game, I believe there was a uh, – when the Chiefs were trying to mount their comeback, the, the, the Steelers, uh, Roethlisberger threw almost completely ill-advised throw that ended up going for a touchdown um, that should have been picked. It ends up being a, a deflection to Antonio Brown, who takes it the rest of the way. But I was I caught that part of the game on the radio as I was driving home from work, and I believe it was Mike Mayock on the call, and he was just shredding. Roethlisberger for his decision making in that game <laughs> and on that play and just ripping him to absolute pieces talking about how yeah that ended up being a touchdown for the Steelers and it's going to look great on the stats but it was a terrible throw it was ill-advised and yeah it was and that, that probably would have turned the tide of the game I think the, 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 the Chiefs were starting to make that comeback and that was sort of the the backbreaker and that put it out of reach with not that much time left to go in the game. So I think the Chiefs started to wake up, and you get a you get a bad bounce. You know, you get a guy that basically has his hand on the ball and should pick it, have it deflect into the receiver's hand, and he takes it. Was, I think it was a 51-yard touchdown pass at the end of it, um, pretty much walked in untouched. But uh, the 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 overall consensus from what I saw early in that game and late is that was Le'Veon Bell show. And Big Ben was still a little rusty, still making some bad decisions, making some tough throws, trying to squeeze the ball into places he shouldn't have. Um, so it's just one of those where the Chiefs lose. You know, nobody's going to go. Nobody's going sixteen and zero. I mean, if the Chiefs finish out the season thirteen and three, I don't think anybody's going to look at them going into the playoffs, going, "Oh, they're bums." They're still pretty good. They're still pretty good. Actually, it's Kansas City, so they might say they're bums because that's kind of what they do. <laughs> well, 
businesses what they do. Put together really, really good regular seasons and then getting to the playoffs and something like this game would happen, uh, like it did against now, the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they last. play the Steelers again, they play the Steelers again yeah. come playoff time. You might want to stop Le'Veon Bell. I'm upset that I missed a good Mike Mayock rant because there's nothing, there's very few things more entertaining than an angry Mike Mayock. Because when yes. he gets his dander up about something, he goes in. So I'm sure that was uh, entertaining. Yeah, that it, when it's not your day, it's not your day is what I will put that play under. Uh, I, I did. I watched the whole game, so I saw that play. Ben targets Antonio Brown on third down. The ball goes right through Philip Gaines's hands and off his head into yeah. Brown's arms, and he avoids Daniel Swordson coming for the ball the other side and winds up going 51. It was one of the more unbelievable plays I've seen in quite a while. And you're right, it was uh, the, the Chiefs had made it 12 to 10 at that point in favor of Pittsburgh. It was 12 to three uh, in the second half, uh, and that was a fourth quarter touchdown by the Chiefs to make it 12 to 10 and it was like uh-oh they've been playing like crap all day but they're about to mount this big rally and then that throw happens to make it 19 to 10 Pittsburgh basically salted the game away um yeah it was the Le'Veon Bell game it was the game plan that the Steelers should have had versus Jacksonville last week or else people might not have been talking about Pittsburgh all this week and been might not have been in the in the media doubting himself and saying maybe I don't have it anymore. If they just would have done this last week, then maybe they wouldn't be having existential crises coming into this game, and, and maybe it would have been something where we wouldn't have fallen into the trap and we might have actually picked the Steelers instead of both going with the Chiefs. But, uh, yeah, it was quite the, the, the sight to see Pittsburgh come out completely relying on the run, even so much that they – they had a couple of runs on their very first series. Uh, they had a, a run from someone named Terrell Watson. Uh, I, I have no idea who that, that is. Um, it, uh, that was on a third and one. They did not give it to Le'Veon Bell. They gave it to this Watson guy, and he got the first down. It was like, whoa, okay. They really are, are going to be committed to the run today. And later on in that same series, they had a good run on the left side by – Someone named James Connor. What? Who are they? Who? Who are these guys? So they were all over the run right from the get go, and that was the game plan. And the guys bitching in the media about the game plan. Apparently, it worked. And and Todd Haley and uh, Mike Tomlin listened. Uh, and on the other side, Kansas City have been talking about these interior offensive linemen being missing. The center Mitch Morris and the guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, and it finally came back to really bite him because uh, Mitch Morris's backup center, Zach Fulton, is the one that snapped the punt over the, the head of, or the, it wasn't a punt, but it was uh, in the, in the, it was a snap over the quarterback's head out of the back of the end zone uh, to give Pittsburgh the first two points of the game, and that sort of set the tone, it felt like, from there, Kansas City was sort of playing on their heels and, and trying to play from behind. They they did take a 3-2 lead of Pittsburgh going back to Le'Veon Bell, just kept running and kept running and, and wound up with a, a lead that felt bigger than it was. In fact, at one point, Pittsburgh's leading 12-3 in the third quarter. They could not connect on a, on a third down play, and instead of kicking a 53-yard field goal, I definitely wanted to make note of this, the Steelers passed on a 53-yard field goal 
and punted the ball up 12 to three in the third quarter because the Kansas City offense was such a non-factor on this day. They were so not a threat. The Steelers' D was fast. They were really played the way that they want to play. This is how the Steelers see themselves in their own image is fast to the ball, like kind of like the Falcons making plays and hurrying the quarterback and making sure they don't have any time to do anything. They were playing like that. This is the bifactor of the running game doing what it's doing, running clock, possessing the ball, making sure that the defense gets rested. The Steelers' defense was so fast and so rested when they got on the field because they were standing over there just champing at the bit and ready to go. And that's another part of running the ball is, is you get your defense a chance to rest up and, and be ready to, to really make a big impact. And what happens at the end of the game on the very last series, here comes 95-year-old Methuselah James Harrison around the corner to make a big sack and snuff out the, the Chiefs' last drive because the defense is rested and, and ready to make impact plays because the running game has taken up so much of the, the time of possession. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the way I saw it and, and heard it, too. Is you know, I agree with you on that point when they punted. In fact, it was uh, right about the point when I was getting in my car, and there it is on the radio, basically, uh, the crew doing the game talking about the Steelers passing up the field goal uh, j- just because they knew that the, the Chiefs couldn't do anything at all against them. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, at that point, you're up by two scores. So, you, you know, you, you actually run the risk at that point of missing the field goal and giving the uh, Chiefs the ball basically at midfield. Why give them any momentum? Just keep pushing them deep. <laughs> Just keep pushing them back. Nice try, guys, you know. Uh, and it ended up working out. So, yeah, give credit to the Steelers. But hasn't this, this is no different than what we've seen happening to the Steelers the last few weeks. Bad losses at home or a bad loss on the road. You know, the Chiefs played a better-than-average opponent. I mean, this, the Steelers are a little bit better than average. They're not a great team, but they're they're good enough that you'll get an effort like this from them. And uh, the Chiefs clearly uh, need to trade for Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> he's he's their Achilles heel. Or hire a woman to to get him in a paternity situation and, and take his oh, mind yeah. out of the game or something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm just spitballing. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Uh, Do you hear about Martavis Bryant being unhappy after all of this and maybe wanting a trade out of Pittsburgh? So that it, it's not all completely roses in, in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, it hasn't been. It, it, it hasn't been. You've got all the, you had all the, the anthem drama going on with them and, you know, Mike Tomlin going out in the media. Now you got Martini. It's just, nobody's ever happy. Nobody's just happy with anything anymore. This is the, <laughs> everybody just hates everything now. This is what we've just come to. What, uh, what else did you want to get to uh, in week six of the NFL this week? Again, crazy week. I mean, that Monday night game, you had you know the the Jake Brisket trying to uh, go on the road and beat the Titans and you know pulling it off. I mean, they were twenty two twenty two. I mean, that game ended up being a a two touchdown game, and they, but it was only because it got away late with a couple of late touchdowns that the, the Colts were right there. Um, once again, no, but at, at least the Titans did what I said they should do, which was run, run, run. And they did. 
the Colts had a 19 to nine lead on yeah. uh, Tennessee before the immobile Marcus Mariota and, and that running game uh, sort of restored some normalcy to the proceedings there. And they had to run the ball because Mariota wasn't going to be much help back there, at least when he got pressure, because he, his hamstring clearly was not anywhere near a hundred percent. Like I said, it was a, uh, a weekend of watching hurt quarterbacks play even outside of Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. It was Mariota with his hammy or Stafford with his ankle completely immobile. Derek Carr with that broken back, not broke back. That's different, but with that broken back, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he looked exactly the same. Uh, I don't no. know if you noticed that he didn't look good playing for, for the Raiders as far as I'm concerned. He was missing a lot of throws that he normally makes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so that, and... yeah, that, so that didn't help them at all. Um, yeah, not not good. We 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 had the bet. We didn't even talk about our highlight game, our Rams and Jags. Uh, Jaguars <laughs> did a nice job of hanging in there, except for oh no, they gave up two special teams touchdowns. That's never going to win you a game. No. Yeah. Right when those game starts to lead off the games, <laughs> very first yeah. kickoff. And they came right yeah, back, they, you know, Leonard Fournette goes 75 yards, and it's like, boom, boom. Yeah. I think there was, what, 18 seconds or 20 seconds or some crazy low number off the clock in that game, and we had a 7-7 game. This is a fireworks very, very early. That team, the Jaguars, could be so dangerous if they had a passable <laughs> quarterback. They, oh, my they God. They could be. Oh, well. Uh, I think they all see it too. I think they know what's going down there, and, and I'm pretty sure there'll be somebody else under center uh, next season. They probably should make a move now. I don't know for who exactly, but uh, Blake Bortles is, is is a disaster, and they need to really move on from him because he is not the answer. Yeah. But yeah, there's the, other than going to the backup. There's yeah, really no. There's really nothing. You, you're not going to sign a guy off of the street to come in, you know, and try and get up to speed with the offense and everything and expect any long-term success. No, they're going to, they're going to be this way all year and they're going to have flashes with that defense and that running game are going to be able to, to, you know, put them over, but don't expect Blake Bortles to come out, especially if you're behind and throw you to a victory. It ain't going to happen. God, it's, such an awful thing to watch. Remember how I used to talk about uh, watching Alex Smith try to lead a comeback was the worst thing to watch on all of television? Watching Blake Bortles trying to lead a comeback is even worse than Alex Smith because he's had no clue. Yeah, uh, Brock Osweiler is fitting into the uh, Osweiler role, huh? Blake Bortles? I don't ever need to see him play quarterback again either. I don't need to see him or Bortles or Blaine Gabbert. Guys, I don't ever need to see play the quarterback position. So calling him Blake Osweiler. Because they're basically the same guy. Yeah, or Brock Bortles. (laughs) It it all fits together. It all all makes sense to me. Brock Brock Bortles. That could be his, yeah, that's what I'm going to start calling him now because that's basically what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's not even qualifying as a game manager. Time for another edition of We Don't Know What the Fuck a Catch Is Anymore. (laughs) You see that Jets highlight? 
If, yeah, and you use the term loosely. Uh, there were <laughs> yeah, there was another one. There was another. Uh, there was a touchdown in the Packers game that looked like a touchdown until you slowed it down frame by frame, and uh, it was uh, Hundley over the middle to Ty Montgomery, and he was kind of bumbling into the end zone, and the ball crosses the plane, but then he hits the ground, and the ball pops out. I thought as soon as the ball crossed the plane, the play was over. Unless he has to complete the Unless process, uh, of the yeah, or something. Yeah, this is this is where the technology hurts. And I'm, you know, and we're you and I are both big supporters of getting it right and using the technology. But when you're sp- when you're splitting hairs to figure out what's a catch, and you know, and I, I, I think people are just mad. Yeah, I think that people are just mad because this is another thing that just goes the Patriots' way. Um, <laughs> you know, not, not just another one. And you know, they're on the ropes. They they probably should have lost that game. They deserved to, mm-hmm. and they ended up getting a win because we don't know what the hell a catch is anymore. Our, our guy Austin Safarian Jenkins or Austin Safarius Jenkins is. Bryce from Brooklyn might say, uh, looked like he had clear possession to me after recovering his bobble, but the rule apparently that they seized upon was that it turns into after you're, you're running with the ball, you can be running with the ball for yards and yards and yards, but as you approach the end zone, if you fumble the ball, if you have lost officially lost possession, it then as you recover your own fumble, it then turns into a complete the process type of situation. So it wasn't enough that Safarian Jenkins recovered his own fumble, hit the pylon, uh, and then the ball started moving around a little bit as he hit the ground, but he still maintained possession. They ruled it not a touchdown because after he fumbled and recovered and then hit the pylon and the ball started moving around, therefore the ball moving around means he didn't complete the process of recovering his own fumble. Therefore it's a touchback and the pages get the ball. I mean, I don't understand how you can split hairs and call that a, a fumble and not completing the process. And it's a touchback. You got to really have the finest, finest points of the rule in order to cite that and say that it's not a touchdown and what makes it, even more frustrating is that it was officially initially called a touchdown on the field and they had to go to that and right. say in New York that it was definite if enough definitely enough evidence to overturn the touchdown call on the field, which I don't see how you could say it was definitely enough evidence to overturn. You know, and the way the way I look at it is if they want to try it all to say about the process of the catch, if you don't complete the process of the catch, it's incomplete. Right, but this was if a fumble. And if, you're, and if you're a runner, then there is no process of the catch. Then it's just the ball breaks the yeah. plane. So you can't have it both ways. You can't have the runner come not complete the process of the catch because if it's a fumble, you're, you clearly have possession. You can't fumble a ball that you don't possess, and you can't complete the process of a catch that's not a catch. They – they really, I literally think they made up a rule on the spot. <laughs> well, I'm because laughing because one, one has nothing to do. One has nothing to do with the other. You can't have both. 
He can't be a runner and a receiver at the same time. Once you are a runner, all you have to do is break the plane. Well, even taking them at their word that it's the process of recovering the fumble. If you yeah. recover the fumble, you recover the fumble. I don't know why you have to recover right. the fumble now, and make sure you it, that the ball doesn't move even a little bit now, as you go to the ground. Did the ball did the I, I didn't look at it with precise detail. Did the ball pop out before he crossed the goal line? He yes, he fumbled the ball right before right as he was approaching the goal line, picked it back up and, and recovered his own fumble. The the call, the reason it was overturned and made a touchback is because they say that there that once you fumble the ball, now the recovery of your fumble turns it into a process of the catch slash fumble situation. That's why it was such a controversy. If he were if he had never fumbled the ball, crossed the goal line and the ball came out, he was a runner at that point, so it would have been a touchdown. But because right. he fumbled before getting to the goal line, then it became a recovery of the fumble became a, a, a complete the process of recovering the fumble situation. But I, I think that's a bad rule because if but you I, recover the fumble, that that should be I at was, that moment that you recover, it should be all good. Yeah. And I was under the impression that you couldn't recover your own fumble down the field anyways. That's like, so then at that point, are they just saying that he fumbled rule the ball out of the 14.35.6B or whatever, that in certain situations you cannot advance your own fumble. That's true. But I don't think yeah. it applied in this case. <laughs> That's the problem. Oh, so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It it's, yeah, makes I, your head spin. If you can't, you know, just have it be, don't have it be in certain situations. Just have the rule say you can't advance your own fumble and the ball goes back to, to where you fumbled it, which is what we're used to. So you have all of these outcomes, you know, and, and plus the, the the actual play on the field, which looks like a touchdown. Like you said, they had to see enough, not just to, uh, you know, it's supposed to be it, clear evidence to overturn, overturn what was called on yeah. the field. And Sometimes I, I think these guys, I think these guys want to find stuff. You know, their job is to overturn, you know, this is their job. And I, I think they were trying, sometimes I think these guys are going out of their way to, to show how smart they are. And we just get new rules on the fly. Cause I think to almost every casual observer, that was a touchdown. It was to me. I'm just laughing at how they made that new rule this year, where it's not the referees even making this judgment call to, to yeah. uphold or overturn. It's always, it's all the guys in New York that are making these calls. So the referees are standing there scratching their nuts, looking at the, the replay on the sideline, yeah. but they don't have any say in the call. The call is going to be confirmed or overturned by the guys in New York. So the referees don't, they make the touchdown call and then they sit there and watch the, the guys in New York decide that it needs to be overturned and given to uh, maybe the touchback and give the advantage to the Patriots. That's got to be just infuriating if you're an official and you go, how on God's earth do you say that that's enough evidence to overturn my call of a touchdown? That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't see it. You know, and and again, the team the team that probably deserved to win the game didn't. Well, and that's another thing. If the Jets could stop. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, then they would have won the game anyway, despite that terrible call, yeah. but they couldn't stop Gronk. So 
but very few teams can, so I don't really blame them for that. But that was their Super Bowl. That was Gang Green coming out and saying, we are feeling good. We have won three in a row. We are going to do all we can to knock off the Patriots. And, and damn it, they almost did it. So hats off to them. Hats off to the Giants for stopping their winless season and putting forth a professional effort uh, against Denver. I don't expect much from either one of those teams the rest of the way. You mean the Patriots or the Jets? No, the Giants or the Jets. Oh, the Giants or the Jets. Okay, sorry. Zoned out there for a second. That's all right. I'm I'm used to it. People stop listening to me when I start talking all the time. That's fine. Ah, Uh, I'm 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 not on all cylinders here tonight. I see. Uh, how about Orleans uh, Darkwa? How about Orleans Sparkwa on Sunday oh, night? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that he had a nice game, so I I I, I thought of you right away as soon as I saw Sparkwa having uh, yeah. having his. You know, that's his one game, and now he's done again. That's it. Right. Don't pick him up in fantasy because he's finished. No. Trust me. <laughs> no. He seems like when he does it, it's in prime time. So only pick him up if the Giants have another prime time game. And did you see the tweet that I, uh, I, I the, the Hub Arkish tweet that I tried to forward to you on Sunday, uh, where he was referencing um, Mitch Trubisky, and uh-huh. it, it should be on your timeline if you didn't see it. But I did see it. It was okay. It was central casting about yeah. the point that you make about babying Mitch Trubisky and any little thing that he does going, Oh, that's, that's a good boy. That's a yeah, good patting him boy. on the head. Patting him on yeah. the head. Every time he does the, the, the slightest little thing that's good because they're just so desperate to see anything good. Apparently at that position that any, any bright spot that Mitch Trubisky shows, they are just going to fawn completely over him. And we called that, we called that on the show. And yeah. there it was. I, I'm not going to pat him on the head. I am. I'm a Bears fan, so I'm just going to say, "Fuck yeah, way to go, Mr. Trubisky!" Getting that big win in overtime uh, at Baltimore. It wasn't a whole lot that he did to win that game. It was pretty much the running game. But nonetheless, I said, if he yeah. can get that win over the veteran Baltimore Ravens team, that I would be very impressed. Um, and ultimately, they won the game and covered the spread, and then showed me a lot. I'm very happy for them, even though you won that pick and I didn't. That was one of the ones I had. Yes. On Thursday night football tomorrow night, it's an AFC West showdown between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders, who are both coming off disappointing efforts. Only have three days to recover and figure things out. Chiefs, uh, once again, those two offensive linemen will not be playing. No Shark Tank either, no Shark Kendrick West in the backfield. For Oakland, Gary and Conley, the rookie cornerback, will once again be absent. Kansas City still five and one after that loss, so they're the better team by record, and they're the better team by the betting public. They give three points. KC is minus three at the two and four Oakland Raiders. Yeah, until I see anything better here out of Derek Carr than we saw last week against not the best team over there with the, the Clippers, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Chiefs to bounce back. Maybe losing is the best thing that could have happened to them. I concur. I was not, I was very unimpressed by Derek Carr. I think he's trying to gut through, not 100%, not anywhere near 100%, but you saw what E.J. Manuel was doing the last game. So he said, I'm going to come be a, a hero and play for my guys. Didn't quite work out for them. Um, 
and as, as I pointed out the last show as well, even if he's on the field, he's not in sync with his receiving with his receiving core right now. Uh, Michael Crabtree is having a fabulous season, but Amari Cooper they're not really connecting. Uh, so uh, I agree. I don't think Oakland is where they want to be at all right now, and I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover the three and bounce back as well. More on our after show when we come back. And now into our VIP after show program. Yeah, you're not 100% tonight. Uh, we canceled the show that we were going to have last night because you were under the weather. So yeah. you're playing hurt gutting through tonight. I'm not 100% myself. I'm in a little bit of extra pain after my uh, bowling league tonight and extra frustration. So I'm glad I was able to make it through the show without completely throwing the computer to the side and, and getting completely blowed up at something yeah i had two nights in a row here before this uh before tonight where i was in, i was in bed by 7 30 a couple nights in a row just yeah it's completely you know worn out and there's a lot of flu going around here but it doesn't seem like it's the flu that got me it's been more of just like a general i don't know what the, the like fatigue you know more than anything yeah. sinuses and allergies and just sore and tired like, I mean, it's just like literally like just all you want to do is just lay down. <laughs> it's a well, very, you guys, uh, very weird feeling. I assume you guys temperature dropped pretty big in the last few days because ours has down here in the south. So it did, but then it went back up again. So we've been near 70 uh, today. Uh, we were near 70. We're supposed to be near 70 again the next couple of days. And then it's supposed to rain for three or four days and then be back in like in the 40s. This is when everybody gets sick. When yeah. you start to get these crazy wild temperature changes, you know, and summer, summer just doesn't want to quite let go. Winter wants to start taking effect because, it'd be, you know, we're only, what, two weeks away from, you know, a little under two weeks away from Halloween here. And that's usually when we start to see snow fly, not accumulate. But that, you know, maybe a little on the grass or a little on the rooftops, you know, and we start getting towards Thanksgiving and we, we start anticipating snowstorms. And, uh, you know, we're, we're already into the middle of October and still talking about 70 degree days. Yeah, that's pretty warm for you guys up there. No doubt about it. We're used to those type of, of temperatures down here, but it dropped low enough a couple days ago. I think it was yesterday morning. I actually broke out my jacket for the first time since before the baseball season started. So obviously for that to happen down here, it's got to be rather chilly. Um, and I assume that's why I'm extra achy tonight after bowling is because it's a little bit of a chill in the air uh, here down South. The, the air conditioner was not running in the house all day for the first day in quite a while. Um, yeah. It's, Turning into that type of year right now. Well, I'm sure, and I'm sure living down there now for the last several years, you get you, you get used to the warmer weather, and not having to deal with the the winter and the snow and the the sub-zero temperatures all the time. Definitely used to it. I'm definitely spoiled. I've completely that that trip up to Chicago last weekend, a weekend before that, rather. I completely forgot to pack a jacket. I, I spend, and that's unheard of. Uh, October trip 
weekend trip in Chicago, Illinois, and I didn't have a jacket. I got completely lucky that it was sort of an Indian summer up there and that it was warm enough where I didn't really need the jacket. I didn't miss the jacket, even though it was raining uh, that Saturday night. Um, it was still warm enough where I wasn't just like tortured and chilly and feeling like a, a complete boob for not having a coat. Uh, that That's rare. That is rare in October in Chicago. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, if we don't have anything major tonight, I I'm I'm getting ready to to hit the bed here and get up. I got to be up early and get to work and you know, but I was ready to go to bed about three hours ago. <laughs> oh, you were a trooper. You hung in there to to do the show with us, and that's that's good. We're we're very happy for it. Uh, you know, nope. my wife's like, "What are you doing? What do you mean you got a show tonight? You're not feeling good." I said, "I didn't do the show last night." So I could go to bed early. I said, I, you know, we got to do a show. We got to get the show in before Thursday night so we can make our pick and do our recap. And just, you know, you gotta, sometimes you just got to take one for the team. That's right. Uh, now, the only things that I had uh, were shut down corner guy continues his season. He didn't dominate, but he did go 7-7. Seven and yeah. seven. That's still better than both of us. Yeah. He also This is how no... we know. This is proof. This is proof. That... <laughs> Nothing makes sense because this guy's history is not successful. No, it's not. Um, he also had no line for the Tennessee game, just like we did. So he got the victory straight up. Although I don't know they if you saw covered. the dance. They would have covered whatever yeah, they, the number was. I mean, they, they set a line eventually after the news came out that Mariota yeah. was going to start. I saw it anywhere between six and a half and eight and a half, depending on when, uh, when you were looking at it. Okay. And because of that, Garbage time touchdown late by uh, Derrick Henry. They would have covered whatever the spread was. That's true. Yes. That was another one of those bad beats for for those who took uh, the Colts and the points uh, in that situation. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> that was that was a garbage time. That's that's why I mean that game was more competitive than the final score of look indicated. Yeah, much much more. Yeah, like I said, the Colts were actually beating them by ten points at one point, um, and. Just the, the, the Adrian Peterson game that we touched on briefly in the live show. But uh, all I wanted to say was that if he's remotely close to a, a David Johnson replacement for the Cardinals, remotely close. I'm not saying he's going to do everything that David Johnson was doing. But if he's anywhere close, the Cardinals, as far as I'm concerned, would be back in contention because – that's really what that offense has been missing. I know Carson Palmer has been extremely inconsistent, but he's had zero help in the run game. Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington are not uh, anywhere close to a David Johnson replacement. But Adrian Peterson playing like the old AP, that would actually be close enough uh, to having a, a solid running game. And the Cardinals would be, as far as I'm concerned, right back in there uh, in contention uh, in the NFC. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any reason why not. I mean, the the Cardinals, as bad as they've been, and this is the whole point, they've been. I mean, underwhelming. I guess is the best word. And they're three and three. I mean, so can we? You know, they're a game out of first. Can we really? You know, knock too hard on the Cardinals if they can suddenly, if they can get a running game and take some of the pressure off of Santa Claus, then. They might be, you know, a team that you can kind of focus on trusting a little bit more going into the second half of the season. 
I would trust the Cardinals with that veteran squad, even though they're granted they're trying to have the oldest team in football. I mean, with Palmer, Fitzgerald, and AP. But for a short stretch oh. here, you know, for for just that 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 short burst, it might be enough. Because do you trust the Rams? I mean, come on. Can't say I trust the Rams, no. And do or we trust the Seahawks to pass protect? Do we, do we trust the Seahawks to pass protect for Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, they play the Vikings because Anthony, Mar- by, Anthony Barr might be calling. <laughs> and there you go. Playoff contention uh, because there's one team that's been, as far as we're concerned, eliminated from playoff contention, and that would be the team up there in Wisconsin where you live. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that, that definitely is going to be a blow. I mean, I think uh, overall, I mean, how how much can we can we trust them? I mean, they have they have the game this week against the Saints, then they have a bye. I mean, so we're we're going to have a really good sense coming out of that bye week um in a Monday night game against the Lions at Lambeau. So they got two in a row here at home with a bye week sandwiched in between. They have to split these two games. They lose them both, forget it. They're done. Um, they're not out of the playoffs completely yet. They're leading this game 3-2 tonight uh, in the eighth inning. But your Cubs are down three games to nothing to the L.A. Yep. Dodgers. Uh, any uh, requiem for your Chicago Cubs? Well, unless there's unless there's a miracle that happens here and – you know, figures out uh, they they figure out how to pull a red uh, Red Sox here from decade or so ago. Um, yeah, I mean it, they, they were flawed all season. I mean they played hot in the second half, but the team is, you know, clearly got some some areas that they need to focus on in in the off season in the hot stove time. They need they they definitely need to shore up that starting rotation. Um, the bullpen's been very iffy and the thing that I look at and it hasn't really been talked about but that has got to be one of if not the slowest team in baseball and you want to talk about a team that basically just has to play station to station they don't steal bases they you know and their defense suffered after they had such a good uh defensive season last year I I, I know he's a folk hero but they got to they got to give up on the whole Kyle Schwarber in left field thing. That he needs to get traded off to the American League. He can go be a DH somewhere. Um, oh, I, I, know, I I know he's a folk hero. I would have been ecstatic if they would have packaged him up um, to trade for Darvish at the deadline. Mm. I, I don't I don't know why they really uh, needed. Um, to keep Kyle Schwarber out there playing left field. He, he's not very good out there. I, I was envisioning uh Schwarber and a prospect type trade for uh, Darvish and maybe like the shields, you know, a player that the Rangers clearly hate and, <laughs> and don't want to have, they did do, they just hate him. I, I, every time he plays, he produces if they give him any extended playing time, but they hate him. And I could have very easily have seen him in a Cubs uniform getting sporadic starts at the top of that lineup and uh, giving them a actual base stealing threat. And that's something that they just don't have at all. So team speed, terrible 
um, and they definitely need some pitching help. Otherwise, it, it's 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 what we saw last year. When they get hot, they can they can they can score in bunches. They hit tons of home runs. That their patience was lacking a lot this year. Last year, it was working a lot of counts, um, forcing pitchers out of games early, getting into these you know bullpens. This year, it was they didn't hit a homer. That was it. Forget it. Show over. Yeah. So yeah, flawed team. But again, you, you make it to three straight NLCSs, they're going to be looked at as contention material again next year. They have to be with that young core. So yeah, it's not it's not all gloom and doom here. No, as it shouldn't be. Uh, no. Of course, that core is. Awesome. I picked them to repeat as champions, which is very hard to do, but that's how much I love the core of players. Uh, Schwarber in left is a disaster, but Schwarber at the plate is always uh, money, uh, potential, you know, big time slugging presence, uh, big time on base presence. So that's the same dilemma they've had ever since they brought him up. Um, because the catcher thing is not going to happen at all. He's, he's no. even as bad as he is in left field. He's even worse behind the plate. Right. Uh, but they do need speed at the top of the lineup. They do need the real center field, center fielder. They miss Dexter Fowler more than they probably thought they would. Um, or more and than I think admit. they know that. And, yeah, they definitely won't admit it, but they definitely need a, a center fielder and some speed at the top of the order. And I'm sure they will address that in the off season. And obviously they have to address middle and, uh, set up relief because Joe Madden has won a world series with a bullpen that he has not liked. He hasn't trusted hardly anyone in his bullpen except for whoever's at the back end pretty much the whole time he's been in Chicago. So you would assume that they would do something and and fix that as well coming up next season. They, but think about it. They're in the the national league championship series. There's not a whole lot of big time tweaking they need to do because this is a team that's already in the NLCS This is a team that's already that good that they went through however many games they played in October last year to win the world series, went all the way to seven games, came all the way back this year, had the slow start, the slow first half and still managed to put it together enough to win a division and get to the NLCS. They're, going to be there every year this is obviously as we've said over and over again and it's not a surprise this is a team set up to contend for the championship every year not just hope to be good enough to maybe sneak into the playoffs this is a world series perennial contending squad every single year for as long as they decide to keep this score together and those few tweaks i think are pretty obvious and i think they know it and, and they're going to do what they got to do to, to try to make those fixes next year. So, uh, and it's not over yet. Technically the season is not over yet. It's still everyone, ninth inning. They everyone made the five here observation that the Epstein knows what it takes to lead a team back from three games to nothing. That Theo doesn't really have anything to do with it. The Cubs no. come back and, and knock off the Dodgers four in a row. But it would be unbelievable if it did happen. And uh, if it happened twice, both times under Theo Epstein, whether he has much to do with it or not, I think that makes him a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, because that would be absolutely unfucking believable if it did happen again. Yeah, and, and we would see. I mean, if the Cubs come back and win tonight, they're down 3-1. Um, and so they're so let's say they're down 3-1 in the series if they don't blow this game here tonight. Um I want to, you know, if the Dodgers kind of show their hand here, 
and go back to the top of the rotation again for game five, that would almost be a sign to me that, you know, maybe there, maybe they do have that fear of the Cubs coming back. If they try to go right back to the ACE to, for the, for the shutdown game to put them away in game five, you'd think you'd save your best two pitchers for home. Um, but you know, I don't know if they're going to go Kershaw Hill and then have potentially, if there's, if it gets to a game seven and go Darvish again for game seven, I could almost see them throwing a, um, you know, just throw somebody out there, start game five, because you want to have your, you want to have your guys ready to go at home unless they really want to go with Kershaw, unless the Cubs blow it tonight, which is still not out of the realm of possibility. I'm looking at the schedule and it's uh, tomorrow night is scheduled to be Clayton Kershaw versus Jose Quintana. And I think that's the right move. I think you just send Kershaw out there and say, shut this shit down right now. Don't worry about it. And we'll figure out game one of the World Series later and and just right now sew this up because we don't want the Cubs even thinking, sniffing possibility of any kind of comeback. We want to shut it down right now. Yeah, especially considering that they've had zero offense in this series. So the last thing you want to do is give them any glimmer of hope right? at all. You give them any hope and they they could just all of a sudden, they could do like they did in the World Series. They weren't scoring any runs. They were scoring. They scored ten runs in the first five games of that series, and then they scored seventeen runs in the last two. And all of a sudden, here they came. Yeah. So we shall see. But Wade Davis's arm is about to fall off. That's all I know. <laughs> well, we'll get out of here before that happens. So uh, Saturday night at uh, nine o'clock is good for you. That should be good. All right. Saturday night at 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern to make the rest of our picks for week seven in the NFL, where we both try to get off the schneid. Is that two weeks in a row we've both been under 500? I believe so. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, and, hey, and it's over. I was only. Yeah, there you go. Cubs win. <laughs> Cubs win. Cody Bellinger hits into a double play. So they they live to play another day. And by the time we come back Saturday night, and it might be a very 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 interesting NLCS. We uh, we we shall see, I suppose. Yeah, if this thing is still going Saturday, um, that means Saturday night would be game. Well, Saturday during the day would be game six potentially. Yeah. So, yeah, if we get to show and this series isn't over, that means we're headed into a game seven on Sunday. So, which, hey, stranger things have happened. Yes, they have. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening. And we'll be back Saturday night, 9 p.m. Central, with the rest of week seven picks in the National Football League and Boy, it's got to go better than it's been going lately. Let's just put it that way. We'll talk to you then.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.